0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 7. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Point number one, saints, in our outline, David praises God for the present promises in verses 18 through 21. Now, keep in mind, these words, if you were with me, you know this, these words that were spoken to David were coming out of the mouth of Nathan, the prophet. God said, Nathan, tell David, you're not going to build me a house. Although in verse 10, a worship center will be built just not by you. Now, remember last time we asked the question, What do you do when God says no? Remember? Remember? Okay, three people. Let me try it again. Remember? Got it. What do you do when God says no? Verse 18, look at it. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. Listen, when you're disappointed and you're discouraged and God says no, can I tell you something? The smartest thing you can do is go sit before the Lord. No, David, verse 18, gets this news. Disappointing. He wants to build God a house. What does he do? Verse 18 tells us David goes and sits before the Lord. That is a great, smart thing for you to do when God says no. In any area of your life, in any situation of your life, whatever you're praying about, if God tells you no or you don't hear from God. Let me let me add that there or you don't hear from God like some, you know, God has three answers to your prayer. Did we talk about the last time? God has three answers to your prayer. Yes, no and what? Wait. So if you hear yes, woohoo. If you hear no or wait, then go sit and wait and get things in perspective. And if you don't do that, you're going to be mad at your Nathans and you'll find yourself fighting against the will of God and doing your own thing. Can I tell you something? It happens all the time. It happens all the time. You want to do something for God and it's a good thing. It happens all the time. I see it all the time here in church. The pastor in this church, people come to me and they want to do something for God. And it's a good thing. It's a great thing. And they come to me and they say, Pastor, I want to do a great thing. I want to do this for God. It's a great thing, but maybe it's not a thing that we need. And maybe it's not a thing that God told me is for Calvary Chapel. See, what God wants to do here is different than what God wants to do across town. And where many ministers make a mistake is that they try to, they look at something that they're doing across town and they, and they think, man, that'd be good for our church. That'd be great. Let's do that. Well, maybe that's not what God's doing here. Maybe God doesn't want to do that here. You got to take everything to the Lord in prayer. I can't, I can't believe four people said amen. Let me talk to this half of the room here. You got to take everything to the Lord in prayer. Yeah, everything. And see what God has to say. And sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. And sometimes God says wait. But if you don't sit and wait on the Lord, you'll start fighting against your Nathans. You get mad at your Nathans. You start blaming people and blaming the church and blaming Pastor Jim and blaming I'm so, I don't know how your name got in my head, man. You're right there, so you're in line of sight. And and blaming blaming people. We 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 have seen this, have we not? People come and say, well, you know, I'd I like to do this in the marriage ministry. This has happened a long time ago, so I can talk about it now. I want to do this in the marriage ministry. We have a marriage ministry. We have a great marriage. We have a great marriage ministry. Pastor Jim and Melissa have served faithfully with the marriage ministry. So somebody comes up and they want to do something in the marriage ministry, which is not necessarily what God is doing already here. But then they get mad and they, well, you know what? I'll just leave the church. They don't want my gifts. They don't want my talents. Uh, they, don't, they don't. They don't. They don't. there's a us for no more church. I'm leaving because you're trying to do something that God hasn't called you to do or God said wait or God said maybe just sit and wait maybe it's just not the time for that right now it could be a lot of things it's not for us to question what God is doing it's for us to obey what God has told us to do am I right about it? So we can't, we, we, we can't just get ahead of God. This is a huge disappointment for David. But listen, when God says no, it means he has a better way. Write that down. When God says no, it means he has a better way. When God says no, it means he wants you to accept that no. We have a hard time accepting no. I've always said this. I think think waiting should be a spiritual gift. Shouldn't it? Patience? A gift. Because people don't want to wait. They don't want to wait. They don't want to be patient. They don't want to hear God say no. Sometimes God says no. Just like you say no for your children, and they may not understand it. But you say no because you know that's not a good thing for them. But then they start getting mad at you. You become Nathan to them. And this is working out great. Amen. You become Nathan to them because you're not doing what they think you ought to do. You have to follow God. You have to trust God and accept his will and then support what God says and trust him. And if you don't get before the Lord and go sit like David did, you end up bitter. You end up angry at people around you and they have nothing to do with the decision. Isn't that the truth? When God says no, the smartest thing for you to do is go and sit before the Lord. And then while you're sitting and thinking about God's answer, you'll come to yourself. And like David, you'll begin to praise God for present promises. We don't know how long David sat there. But after a while, David opens up his mouth and David begins to talk all the way to verse 29. First of all, he says, who am I, O Lord, and what is my house that you have bought me this far, this is a great way to start a conversation with God. You need to write that in your margins. This is a great way to start a conversation with God. You know how, you know how humble, humble, who am I? Oh Lord God. And what is my house that you have bought me this far? That's humility. Hey, word for the day, word for the day. Stay humble. Stay humble. Jesus was Humble. We should be humble. And if you're not willing to be humble, you can't abide. Pastor Matt sermon. You can't abide if you're not willing to humble yourself. First Peter five, five memory verse. God resists the proud, but gives grace to, to the humble. I told you the one condition of the heart that God resists is pride Pride drives a wedge between you and God. Pride destroys nations. Pride des- destroys marriages. Pride destroys families. Pride destroys moms and dads. Pride goes before destruction and a hearty spirit before fall. Proverbs 16, 18. Somebody once said, the problem with humility is when you realize you have it, then you just lost it. Isn't that true? The problem with humility is when you realize you have it, At that moment, you just lost it. Just at the point where you think, I sure am humble, (laughs) you ain't. Amen. My favorite verse, I told you, Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before our God. Well, I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. I don't, I'm This Christian thing is all about. It. I'm not really sure what I should be doing. Well, I'm supposed to be doing something, but I don't really know what to do. I can tell you what you can do. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. Do you realize that if you do those three things right there, you're doing plenty? That's enough to keep you busy for a lifetime. Say amen. You know I'm right about it. You just don't want to say amen and admit it justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. This is what God requires of us. Live in humility. David is sitting before the Lord, and his mind ran back to the beginning. Are y'all picking this up? David remembered when Samuel came to the, to the house of Jesse and David was out with the sheep with his guitar and worshiping God and God chosen to be king over Israel. And Sammy, remember, he poured, I think it's the first Samuel 16, he poured a bucket of oil over him and anointed him. David is overwhelmed as he thinks back on the great things that God has done from that day all the way to bringing him to the throne in Jerusalem. And David says, God, you brought me this far. Who am I, O oh Lord? I can't tell you, a Christian, I can't tell you a person who is used by God that doesn't feel this way. Who am I, O oh Lord, that you have brought me this far? You know, I was telling this lady today, I had a doctor's appointment today, and I was telling the lady today, um, my testimony and all that God brought me through and how I was doing drugs at nine years old. This was just the lady that takes your blood pressure. <laughs> I ain't got started with a doctor yet, right? I'm telling her, I'm telling I'm tellin her, I said, I'm telling her I started doing drugs when I was nine years old. And I went through junior high. She was in tears by the time I, by the time I was done. I was almost in tears again. She was in tears. I'm almost in tears. I'm like, get my blood pressure before you like pass out or something. I mean, do you need some water? I mean, like, she was really, really touched. And I'm telling her, you know, I started doing drugs. When I was nine years old and went through junior high and high school doing drugs. And, and I told her January 23rd, 1982, God save me. And who am I that you have bought me this far? God saved me, look what he's done. I'm shocked. I meet people that tell them I'm a pastor and they go, really? Especially people from the old block, you know. Hey, what you doing? Well, I work for a trash company. I work for SEPTA. SEPTA is a city driving system, city bus system. I work for, yeah, what do you do? I'm a pastor. What? There's a God somewhere. I'm I'm like, yeah, that's what I spend my life telling people. Exactly. I look at my own life and think, who am I that you have brought me this far? You need to look at your life. You need to look at your life and think, look, look, you, just because you're not pastoring in a church and maybe you have a job and you've got, you know, life, you go to work and you come home and you do, you know, God has brought you a mighty long way. I don't care where you are in life. God has brought you a mighty long way. And you need to say, who am I that God has brought me this far? He didn't have to let you live today, but he did. You woke up this morning, did you not? Huh? He kept your heart beating in the night when you were sleeping. He never sleeps nor slumber. You do. That's called the faithfulness of God. Where am I saying, that? That's called the faithfulness of God. Who am I? Love that statement. We could talk about it all night long. Who am I that you have brought me this far? Again, don't know a man nor a woman that God has used that would not say Amen to that statement. Even Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, Isaiah said, So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Woe is me. David said in verse 19, look at it, let's move forward. I can't believe it. It's 8.14 already. This was nothing to you, God. It's a small thing in your sight. God, you've been talking about your servant's house. Remember I told you when God talks about a house, he's talking about a dynasty. David wasn't allowed to build God's house, but get this. But he did what he could. What did he do? Well, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 2 and 3 tell us, Now for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might gold things, to be made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slab in abundance moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. Listen, David wasn't, leave that verse here for a second, please. David wasn't allowed to build the house of God, but he did what he could. He did what he could. And that is get things together for Solomon so that he could build God's house. He wasn't jealous or, uh, you know, man, he, I can't do it. So I'm not, I'm taking my marbles and going home. I can't do it, so I'm not going to even be a part of it because I can't be the head of it. I, I'm not gonna, no, David didn't do that. He got things together and he gave. I have prepared for the holy house my own special treasure of gold and silver. He got things together so that things would be nice when Solomon's time came to build the temple and to build the house of God. And we all need to have that mindset to make God's house pretty. Huh? Why are we so concerned with our own house and we're not concerned with the house of God? God had a real problem. Read Haggai or some people pronounce it Haggai chapter one. God had a real problem with Israel because they were fixing up their own houses. My saints know what I'm talking about. They were fixing up their own houses, paneling the walls and landscaping the front. And they left God's house undone and and in shambles for 14 years. And every time somebody came to them about, hey, let's get to God's house, they had an excuse as to why they couldn't do it. Why they couldn't get to God's house, but they were taking care of their own house. Saints, that's a word for us. Let's be mindful that we are taking care of God's house as well as taking care of our own house. We absolutely need to take care of our own house. But you need to take care of God's house, too. If this is your house, then let's pull together and take care of it, all of us. It's not my house. It's God's house. And we are God's people who live in this house. Am I right about it? We're God's people who live in this house. Therefore, we ought to give to this house. It's not biblical. Listen, I'm only saying this to help you. It is not biblical for you to tithe to another ministry of any kind until you have first given to your own house. That's the order of things. Thank you. Thank you. And, and you know what? I've said this before and I'll say it again. I, I, I don't know how people can come to god 's house, feed in god 's house, rejoice in god 's house, receive in god 's house, be blessed in god 's house, worship in god 's house, and not give anything to god 's house i don 't know how, i don 't know how you can do that in conscience i don 't know how you do that i don 't know how you do it because it 's god 's house, and we know that just like it takes money to pay the CPNL bill at your house God's house is the same way and we've got to paint the walls when all y'all handprints is all over it <laughs> hallelujah uh-huh we got to paint the walls and we got to fix the door because we've opened it like 10,000 times this month and the hinges are wearing we've got to fix that stuff and the inspector comes by and says the exit lights are out. You need to fix those. And 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 and, and it's always one thing after another. The chairs wear thin, and, and 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 there's always something to to do in God's house, like your house. So why is God's house any different than your house? Let's not be those kind of people, because I can tell you, God doesn't bless that. God blesses people when they make His house a priority. And I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to leave it right there. David, look at verse 20. What can David say to you? Because you know your servant, this is a great place to be. David said, God, I don't have anything else to say. David is overwhelmed by the promise of God to build him a house. What David says, what can I say? Now, remember, David was a songwriter. David was a poet. David was a verbal man. But now he's tongue-tied and silenced by God's grace and kindness. I get the impression that David is processing all of this and is still sinking in. David said, God, you've done all these things in verse 21 for the sake of your word. And according to your own heart, you have done all this greatness to let your servant know. David is overwhelmed. He says, Lord, you've blessed my life. You've blessed my house. You brought me from leading sheep to the throne. Who am I? You know what David is doing? He's sitting down counting his blessings. Somebody once said, y'all know, huh? Count your blessings, name them one by one, and look and see what God has done. That's awesome, isn't it? Count your blessings, name them one by one, and look and see what God has done. If you sit down and count your blessings, And name them one by one, you will see what God has done. God has done great and awesome things. He might not have done things the way you want them done, but He has done great and awesome things, and that's what David. (laughs) I'm wait while you clap. Go ahead, I'll wait while you clap. That's awesome. Point number two. Let's move forward. David promises or praises God for the past providence in verses 22 through 24. We've already read it. Providence means, if you don't have this written down, might want to write this down. Providence means the supernatural arrangement of natural events. The supernatural arrangement of natural events. Providence is not to be confused with good fortune, fate, or luck. Everything that happens to you is brought to you by the providential hand of God. Here in the text, David talks about God's providence in choosing Israel in the past. You are great. Look at verse 22. Oh, Lord God, there's none like you, nor is there any God beside you. In other words, God is God alone, and there's no other true God. There is no God like our God. He's a great and awesome God. And David says this is what we've heard all throughout our history. God has done great things for David, but not just for David. God has worked in and through David to fulfill his promise to Israel. Verse 23 and 24, recount the greatness of God. You can see in his works, God redeemed Israel from Egypt and made a name for himself. In verse 24, you have made yourself, your your, your people Israel, your very own people forever. And you, Lord, have become their God. You've made your people Israel Your very own people for how long, saints? Forever. You know, there's a lot of forevers in this chapter. Look at verse 13, a forever throne. Verse 16, a forever kingdom. Verse 24, a forever nation. Verse 25, a forever promise. Verse 29, a forever blessing. You've made your people Israel your very own forever. It's always been God's plan that blessing the world would come through Israel. I think of Genesis chapter 12, one through three. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I'm going to show you and I'm going to make you a great nation and I'm going to bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you. And in you, watch this, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's always been God's plan.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.